Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 6 of the Average to Elite podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Lowe, and today I'm going to take you through my uh, client check-in process. So essentially, it's a nice sort of process for athletes to follow to know whether their plan is working or is not working. And I guess the main sort of goal from today is to make you very aware of what you should be tracking, so your KPIs, your key performance indicators. And if you're not scoring as well as you should be doing, then you know what to be doing or what area to be looking at in order to counteract that problem. Now, I always say for every issue, there's an intervention, meaning that for any sort of performance or body composition-based issue that you have, there's something that we can do through our nutrition uh, to get you moving in the right direction again. So this is essentially um, my check-in process that I go through with all my sort of athlete coaching clients and to make sure they are always moving in the right direction because, you know, progress is never going to be linear. There's always going to be, you know, challenges in the way, uh, roadblocks, detours, all that kind of stuff. So this is why it's really important to check in with them or even just to check in with yourself just so you are very aware um, that everything is going the right way because I think we're all very guilty uh, in terms of just being like on autopilot and kind of cruising through all this and probably not very aware that things could be better. So today I'm going to go through sort of six key areas I look to uh, go into more detail with and basically just use a really nice sort of traffic light system for you guys to sort of score yourself as you're going through this podcast today. Again, so at the end of the podcast, you've got a nice sort of uh, score or a nice sort of rating system that you can use as a baseline. And if you are going to try something over the next sort of uh, few weeks to months, you know whether you've seen an improvement or not. Without further ado, the uh, six key areas that we look at are going to be split into your performance, so your recovery, your fatigue slash energy levels, your hunger slash cravings, uh, your body composition goals, and then lastly, the overall enjoyability of the approach you are taking. So I'm going to go into these in far more detail, um, but just be aware of them for now. Um, And in terms of how I like to sort of track this and sort of grade everything is by using a really nice traffic light system. So I think we're all very much aware of traffic lights. It's very much a red, amber, green case scenario that we have. Red usually means uh, stop or things aren't progressing, should we say. Um, and therefore, green is obviously everything's go. Uh, I think is moving in the right direction again. So with this track light system, I just like to use a scale of 1 to 10. So for every um, area that we're going to go through, just give yourself a rating of, on a scale of 1 to 10. And if you're anywhere between a 1 to 4 out of 10, this is very much a red light. This is like something isn't working well in your life at the moment and it shouldn't be like this. This is basically just like unnecessary suffering because, like I said, for every issue, there's an intervention. So there's something via nutrition we can implement uh, to make you move into the right direction, into the amber and definitely into the green. So if you're an amber, then this is a scale of like, sorry, a rating of five to seven out of 10. So, you know, things aren't awful with your plan. Uh, but they're definitely not great either. So we know that life and especially calorie-restricted diets, um, we're going to have compromises and trade-offs. So sometimes you will dip into the amber. Um, This isn't necessarily a need for any alarm bells to go off. 
because things are essentially manageable. But if they start dipping into the red, that's when you need to put your hands up and then ask for help if you're unsure how to get out of this scenario. Uh, because again, you shouldn't be in the red at all. And then if you're in the green, so perhaps eight, nine, ten out of ten, everything goes everything is going absolutely perfect. You know, you're absolutely smashing everything. Don't change the plan of action. Um, just keep on going with it because everything's working well. So this traffic light system is just really nice sort of um, way just to monitor and check in with yourself and for myself to check in my clients uh, just to make sure that everything's going in the right direction. Because if a client, for example, flags something up with me, like I dropped into the red with this, then I know exactly um, what I need to be doing. And plus just have given them the awareness that they know what to be looking out for as well is going to help their overall performance because they can report back to me more accurately and therefore I can give more specific advice. So first up is our performance. So I split performance both into the physical and mental side of it because say for example you are in a team-based sport and there is a skill element there's no point in being physically fit if you can't concentrate and maintain your mental um, sort of ability throughout because, again, you're not going to be able to express your skill set accordingly. So when I look at the physical side of things, it's very much a case of can you start your session, event, race, or game strong and can you maintain your work capacity throughout right until the end? If you can, that is most likely going to be a green but if you find that you fade, um, you know, halfway and definitely towards the end and you can't maintain your work capacity, then this is going to be very much down to a reduction in your muscle glycogen stores. So if you're unsure what I'm talking about here, go back to the previous episode uh, for the love of carbs. I explain it in quite a lot of detail there, but that's essentially what is happening. And I always say that if you feel that you're fit enough and you're not performing at your best, then it's your nutrition. So from the physical side of things, um, if you start strong and then fade, then it's very much down to your overall carbohydrate intake. So if someone flagged this up with me, be like, okay, I know exactly what's happening. And if you go, again, refer back to that um, previous episode, you'll understand what's happening as well in terms of your muscle collection dropping and not being able to maintain uh, performance. So that'd be the sort of main thing we'll look at here. If you can't maintain your work capacity throughout, it is going to be a carbohydrate-related issue. But say, for example, you just have, um, you know, sort of lactate buildup in legs, you know, that burning sensation, and, you know, you're just having it um, in uncontrollable, sort of, or should we say, a very uncomfortable amount, um, then we could potentially look at both, like, intracellular and extracellular buffer. So those supplements we talked about, so sodium bicarbonate and beta-alanine. It could be a case of, um, you know, you just have elevated heart rate throughout and you can't keep your heart rate under control. We know that when you're dehydrated, you have increased cardiovascular strain and therefore your heart rate goes up as a result. Now, if your resting heart rate goes up, then overall like perceived exertion goes up as well. And generally speaking, your performance um, declines quite rapidly. So it could be a case of, right, we just need to look at your hydration. Are you getting enough fluid on board? It could be a case from the mental and the cognitive side of things. Um, you see this all the time towards the end of games is that people tend to make more mistakes, more handling errors. The skill set tends to drop off quite quickly. And this can be very much related to, again, carbohydrate intake because we know that if your liver glycogen goes down too much and therefore your blood sugars drop too much, we don't have enough glucose available for the brain. And therefore, which is essentially the fuel, um, the primary fuel source of the brain, and we know that sort of 
this can create um, issues in terms of decision making and overall mental focus. Uh, it could be a case as well that you perhaps had a poor night's sleep, and we know that under periods of sleep deprivation, they're creating pools when the brain can decrease as well. So supplement we're creating can almost rescue um, the adverse effects of sleep uh, deprivation. So when we sort of look at things in this detail and we address the issue, so we address what the sort of cause or the issue is, then we know what kind of intervention to put in place. So again, it just comes down to awareness from the athletes that knows what to look out for and then they know what to report back to the coach so they know that I know I can um, put an adequate intervention in place that's going to tackle that specific problem. Second up is your overall sort of recovery. So how do you feel in the 24 to 48 hours after a game event or, um, you know, a race or even like a very demanding training session? Like, how do you feel? Like, how do muscles feel? Now, this could be split into muscle soreness and glycogen depletion. So essentially, we've got a loss of muscle functioning. And we want to try and uh, return this and restore this to normal so we can perform at our best. So when we look at the muscle soreness side of stuff, um, now, first of all, we need to appreciate that sometimes if the training stimulus or the stimulus from the event or game is much larger than we used to, we're going to be sore. It's just one of those things. So sometimes there's nutrition interventions um, that can improve recovery but sometimes if it's so large and exceeds your you know ability to recover properly then you know you're just gonna be sore um from a recovery perspective though you know if you've got your calorie intake in check um and so on and you're not necessarily deficient in anything then there are added things so high dose antioxidant supplements um specifically like vitamin c and perhaps vitamin e and then perhaps looking at things like cherry active as well um, which are very high in antioxidants. I um, know that's going to decrease uh, inflammation and therefore decrease muscle soreness and return normal uh, muscle functioning pretty quickly. But the downside to that is, yes, it improves recovery, but it has the potential to blunt adaptation. So we have to be very wise in terms of when we use this. So we always have to ask the question of, right, do we want to recover from this session game or event or do we want to adapt now if it's throughout the training week we're always looking to adapt so we're not really looking to put recovery measures in place so to speak um but after a game or event like the idea is not to necessarily to adapt is to recover so the reasons why we don't use high dose antioxidants is again because it decreases inflammation and we need this inflammation to drive adaptation so i'd always suggest that you know, if you're really struggling to recover um, after a game or event where the goal is to recover, then yes, you can look at antioxidant-based supplements to help with this. But if you're taking this stuff after a training session, then, you know, it's pretty much futile because you're just dampening the training response. Um, so it just makes far more sense to decrease the training load or overall stimulus if you're just not not able to recover. Um and so that's why I kind of think with regards to the adaptation and recovery kind of argument. 
um, but we've got to just be very sort of mindful if you know that training stimulus is way too big um, you know first of all is this supposed to be in your training program in the first place and secondly you're probably not going to recover from it through normal nutrition based interventions so it goes back to you know prevention is always the best cure with this kind of thing um, and then second of all as well is you know the level of glycogen depletion so I'm sure many people listen to this podcast that if they've done like a you know very hard session, especially more the endurance based stuff, um, you know they wake up the next day and their legs are actually zapped. Um, you know it might not be muscle soreness; it might just be a case of they're just very glycogen depleted, and therefore that is just very much a carbohydrate related issue as well. So they perhaps we need to be more pragmatic with our recovery measures after your training session or event especially if the next uh, session game or event is within a perhaps 24 to 48 hour period because we know we can really accelerate the recovery process within perhaps first four hours after um, a game event or race or so on so therefore we perhaps look at a timing element of it in terms of yes the carbohydrates and the fluid side of things just to make sure Again, you're at your best in a very short uh, turnaround. So I get asked like um, a lot of questions in terms of, do I need to eat more protein to help with recovery? And the answer really is probably not. It's more the case of our protein intake is going to stay pretty much solid day in, day out. It doesn't really matter what the demands are because we know that we we need a certain amount of protein per meal to drive adaptation and muscle remodeling and recovery. And that's perhaps irrespective of um, the training load. Um, well, that's what the, the most of the researchers say at the moment. Um, the only times we perhaps need to adjust protein intake is like before competition because, again, the idea isn't necessarily to drive adaptation recovery uh, before an event. Um, you know, it's only going to sort of perhaps just sit in our stomach and be quite hard to break down and digest so therefore that's the only time we perhaps have to periodize our protein but the rest of the time your protein takes days very 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 similar so just reflecting back on that just think of your last sort of game um event session and so on how is recovery after it perhaps in the first few hours after and the next day because if you're struggling there there's something we can do there from a nutrition intervention and you know for the, this one and the first um, question as well regarding performance, just give yourself a quick scale, a quick sort of score uh, on a scale of one to ten. Now, I think a lot of athletes would probably sort of be aware of the first two things that we talk about here in terms of right, how can nutrition potentially help them? But what they kind of forget about is all the other things outside of them being an athlete, should we say, i.e., the performance, the recovery measures the game day preparation, all that kind of stuff. So the next sort of question is, you know, how are your fatigue and energy levels outside of training? So we all know this sort of like, um, th- you know, three, four o'clock slump where you just have, you know, just have really bad energy levels and can't stay switched on and engage with what you're doing. You know, why is this potentially is a case of, Poor energy levels throughout the day resulting from, you know, you just being in a big calorie deficit? Is it a case of, you know, your overall sort of sleep quality and quantity? Um, you know, it could even be like your meal sort of pattern or the distribution of your meals. So, you know, for example, if, you know, you can be slightly lethargic after lunch and you have, you know, a thousand calorie meal for lunch, 
you know, you're probably going to feel pretty, you know, lethargic and pretty sleepy after it. So therefore, you may look at perhaps evenly distributing your uh, calories and food volume and stuff throughout the day. Um, you know, it could be looking at your overall recovery status. So touching on our last point, say, for example, you're doing double day sessions and a.m. and p.m. And, you know, you just haven't recovered well enough um, after that first session and your legs are super heavy. And therefore, you have like perhaps residual fatigue from that and or, or less like you just plays with your mind a bit like your legs feel fatigued so therefore you must automatically feel fatigued so maybe a couple of like solutions and interventions we can look at from these first of all be a case of right is your calorie deficit too big um so therefore let's add a few more calories via carbohydrates to help with this um you know maybe we have to readdress sleep hygiene issues i.e. the strategies and habits we do before we go to bed to improve our overall sleep quality and duration um, and also like the time taken to fall asleep. So maybe a case of, you know, your overall sort of training load as well. So therefore, maybe, you know, I'm a nutritionist, like I can't do the training side of things, but maybe it's a case of, right, you having a chat with your coach, like is the training stimulus or the training load just too much? And, you know, you're probably overreaching a bit too much and therefore you have poor energy levels outside. You know, it could be, again, going back to the timing of your meals. Um, you know, if you're just having huge meals, like maybe like one or two meals, um, and you just feel really heavy, bloated, lethargic, and quite awful after them, and therefore the remainder of your meals are really small to sort of compensate for that, you know, how is that affecting your overall um, energy levels and fatigue levels for the day so perhaps do we need to again redistribute your calorie intake and your portions and your carbohydrate intake throughout the day so you have more sustained energy levels um, so you know there's quite a few things that can come into play with this you know ultimately we, uh, when it comes to, like the meal planning side of things is always going to be trial and error to find out what works for you what doesn't work for you given different sort of scenarios, whether you're in a training day, a rest day, your lunch, your dinner, how's that affecting your uh, appetite and energy levels and so on surrounding those sessions. So like when I sort of build meal plans and so on, the first couple of weeks really are just trial and error. So I'd be confident I can get most of the stuff uh, right with regards to meal planning based on research and previous experience. But then the first couple of weeks is always just fine tuning um, everything based on that individual the next area we'll look at is your hunger levels. So this would be a case of, you know, your physical, like that belly hunger, not necessarily cravings, because that's the next section we look at. But, you know, if you're sort of overly hungry and it becomes unmanageable, i.e. drop from the green to the amber to the red, then obviously that's going to be an overriding factor in terms of, I don't say quality of life, but, you know, it's definitely going to drive up your food focus and, you know, things are going to be a little bit more miserable. Um now, we know when we're in a calorie deficit that this is going to definitely increase um, just because, you know, you're effectively, you're under eating, you know, you're consuming fewer calories than you expend. So this is the trade-off we do have to um, appreciate with this. So when it comes to um, the hunger side of stuff, it could be an issue that, you know, your overall calorie deficit is just too large. So perhaps to manage it, your hunger better, we can minimize the calorie deficit but you know if you are if you do have fat loss goals ultimately we do need to be in a calorie deficit so it's just a case of just reducing um this sort of rate of weight loss by putting more calories into your diet and therefore more food you know it could be 
again a meal distribution thing um perhaps yes you're staying within your calorie budget for the day to drop body fat but you know if you're say um eating at the wrong times i.e., you're eating when you are um not hungry and then you are you don't have many calories left over for when you are hungry you know you're not distributing your food intake throughout the day so say for example i'm not very or not overly hungry in the morning but I'm ravenous in the evening. So it makes sense for me to not put all my calories in for breakfast and have very limited amounts for the evening meal. It makes sense for me to think, okay, when am I most hungry throughout the day and where do I want to have the bulk of my calories? So this is a case of just being very aware of this and being able to shift and budget your calories uh, accordingly. So that really sort of covers the meal timing and the distribution side of things. No, it could just be a case as well that you know your overall energy availability is too low so yes this is going to be related to your calorie intake but it's also related to um, your body fat stores so we know that the longer you're in a calorie deficit for the more body fat you're potentially going to lose and your overall energy availability goes down and we know that's going to drive hunger because your body almost acts like as a homeostatic mechanism and the further you go um or should we say progress away from your body fat set point um the more hungry you're going to be to try and get you back up to where it likes to be so it's almost a case of right well kicking these hunger cues so you eat more and get back to that body fat level like your body naturally likes to sort of balance in and so outside of all that all that kind of stuff and ways to sort of manage hunger some real sort of simple ways we can look at it um first of all be looking at your food volume so i always ask the question of how much food can i fit on my plate for the smallest amount of calories in return and when we look at sort of low energy density diets you know diets that are high in sort of lean uh, meats loads of vegetables stuff like that you know they're going to offer quite a lot of food volume and bulk for a small amount of calories so if you're hungry it'd be a case of yes i got to find foods in my diet that's really going to benefit this um to manage my hunger you know it could be a case of you know if you're drinking your calories as well okay perhaps that's not going to be a good idea because we know we're not going to get as um much of a hunger response from it or should we say a fullness response from it so if you're sort of necking two or three smoothies a day it's like okay that's probably not going to fill you up now, if you put those same calories and have them in a real meal, that is going to fill you up far more. Because generally speaking, the longer it takes for food um, to get from your mouth to your gut, uh, the more full you're going to be. So maybe it's looking at, okay, not only how much food am I having, but how, in what form am I having it? Um, and then lastly, we can look at sort of your protein intake and fiber intake. So you know that protein and fiber just can be very satiating nutrients. So it's very wise to have both them in relatively large quantities in your diet outside of perhaps muscle building, gut health, and uh, so on. The next thing we're going to look at is then cravings. So we know that your perhaps physical hunger is going to be a little bit different to cravings, which is perhaps your mental hunger. So hedonic drive. So this is your body telling you that you need to eat when there's no real calorie need there. So there's a few things that can cause this. So first of all, if you are in a sort of dieting phase of any form, uh, usually fat loss diet, you will get increased food focus. Um, so this is just perhaps one of those byproducts of constant dieting. You know, your desire to eat is going to be quite high. So therefore, food's on your mind all the time. Um, another big thing is doing fat loss diets. 
um, a lot of people will eliminate their favorite foods. So, you know, a diet is a calorie restriction, not necessarily a food elimination. So, you know, if you pull out your favorite foods and don't have it for a very long period of time, again, that's going to drive your big cravings, your food focus, and you're most likely going to have an unplanned eating episode, which is like your, your binges. So obviously we want to try and reduce that as much as possible. Um, you know, it could be a case of, you know, you're sleep deprived and we know that sleep deprivation increases cravings and your desire to eat. Same thing with stress, um, like a code in episode one, I believe, um, where we know that sort of these high fat, high sugar foods has a common effect on the body. So stress management, we want to look at as well. So when we come and look at perhaps the intervention side of it is, you know, if you're sleep deprived, then obviously we're going to go back and look in, and look at and evaluate your sleep habits. So we're going to look at sleep hygiene. If you're stressed, we're going to look at the root cause of it. So how do you de- how can you de-stress? By means, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not going to be the best person to offer sort of sound advice in this area, but I could definitely push people in the right direction. Now, even if it's just something real as simple as meditation, um, that could be very beneficial of decreasing stress and therefore subsequently improving eating behaviors. You know, it could be a case of just having better balance with your food choices. So not getting too restricted with your favorite foods and have them in, shall we say, a quote unquote moderation. You know, we're also going to look at your eating environment. Again, going back to episode one, if you've got these high fat, high sugar foods in the cupboard, kind of just like yelling your name all the time, you know, it's going to be very hard to resist it. And you're essentially just going to run out of no's. Like, you know, you're going to walk past the cupboard. No, no, no. And then one day it's going to be yes. And again, if that food's a trigger food, you're going to overeat. And you're probably going to lose the day and perhaps the weekend. And, you know, diet starts uh, on Monday. And it could even be a case of, you know, if you're, I guess, a combination of your cravings and hunger are just perhaps unmanageable. And it really sort of dip into the red and we don't really like it. And you've been on a long-term fat loss phase might be a case of, okay, is this the right time to do a diet break where we just perhaps increase calories to maintenance for, you know, three, five to seven days to have a nice old mental break. Now, I think um, diet breaks are, you know, they kind of thought to improve all the sort of physical characteristics and make your sort of subsequent fat loss phase far more productive because you have this like elevation of metabolic rate and all that kind of stuff, um, which sure you do have a little bit, but it's more just down to the psychological component of dieting. And sometimes just knowing that in a few weeks, there's a light at the end of the tunnel where you can have maintenance calories for a few days to a week um, can make, you know, long-term fat loss phases far more appealing at first and it can be far better for long-term results as well because I know that if you're going to have this huge amount of food focus and it's very much uncontrollable then you're going to binge and then naturally going to have higher calories anyway so we might as well put you in a position to do this in a far more controlled manner that doesn't sort of um, you know sabotage progress and your mindset and your momentum and it's actually going to be really beneficial for you know solid sort of training weeks and so on. Because again, you'd be having more food, more carbohydrates, greater glycogen um, stores, and therefore subsequent performance. The penultimate one we look at is you know your body body composition goals. So whether that be fat loss and muscle growth, you know we have sort of clear targets that I set uh, with regards to sort of the average and the trends over time. So when I'm looking at trends over time, I want to average about 0.5 to 1% loss in body weight per week when it comes to fat loss. 
um, for muscle growth. Uh, we're looking about, you know, depending on your training status, but on average about 1% gain in body weight per month. So as you can see, muscle growth is a far slower process than fat loss. Um, but they are the primitives that I look to work within. And if I have a client or an athlete who isn't achieving them, it's like, okay, I know this, what is actually happening? So we're going to look at then the overall calorie intake. They have to, if it's a muscle growth side of it, um, we have to review this or training. And therefore, I would speak to their strength and conditioning coach, everything like that. So they're on the same page and we adapt the plan accordingly. Um, but in terms of like the fat loss side of it, because I guess most people are probably looking at fat loss, um, it's very much a case of I know that if this is scoring badly, I will not hit in our weekly targets on average. And you, for example, have, you know, you're in the amber or even in the red with some of the aforementioned uh, areas, so fatigue, hunger, cravings, performance, recovery. If I were to further reduce your calorie intake to speed up the rate of fat loss, these compromises are going to get even worse. So that's why I kind of like leaving body composition, especially fat loss, until last with this review process because I get a nice picture and a nice insight of whether it's a really good idea to further reduce calories if we need to speed up fat loss. Say, for example, you, I had a client that, you know, was scoring in the green with everything and the fat loss started to slow down and started to plateau and weren't hitting our weekly targets on average. Then it's like, okay, everything's going great. Um, we can afford to have some kind of compromise and trade-off. Let's chop away a few calories. You should be able to manage it absolutely fine. But if he's in an amber, it's a case of, okay, um, we can drop them, but just be mindful of all these things that could go wrong. And if they do start to get worse, then you just have to be really quick to tell me because there's something here we can change. But if, for example, they're in the red, it's like, well, realistically, like this isn't really a good time to decrease calories because the compromises and trade-offs are going to be, you know, just unbearable. Now, I appreciate sports such as bodybuilding and physique sports. You know, they will go into the red quite a lot and pretty much all the time towards the latter phases of a fat loss phase, but they don't necessarily have to perform a peak um, performance uh, when they're on the stage. So, you know, they can manage these trade-offs. It's just a part of their game. Um, but for an athlete who's looking to still maintain um good level of performance and recovery and so on throughout you know we can't afford to drop into the red so then it's a case of you know re-looking at um the overall sort of calorie structure for the week and you know is it a case of again do we need to go into a little bit of a diet break just try and restore some of these numbers is it a case of just you know digging deeper and actually looking at um what is a level of reporting and recording of food intake like you know is a case of I want this athlete to be on 2,700 calories, but they're actually eating 3,500 calories. You know, we have to address this um, issue first. So again, this is um, really why I kind of leave um, body composition until last instead of putting it in first because I just get a far greater picture of what's actually happening. And lastly, which is probably the one that everyone overlooked and is probably the most important thing, and that is enjoyability. So are you actually enjoying what you're doing? So I always ask, ask uh, my clients and athletes the question of how long do you see yourself doing this for? You know, if you see yourself doing this for the next four weeks and then sort of burn and crash and just not do it anymore, then, you know, what's the point? You know, 
there's you know it's absolutely futile making progress for four weeks and then putting it all back on after and this is the case you see all the time with dieting approaches and you know it's been suggested that we don't have like a fat loss problem in this world it's just a fat or weight maintenance problem like we just can't maintain the results and ultimately like if you're not enjoying the process not enjoying what you're doing you're not going to do it um it makes common sense like you need to enjoy what you're doing because the things you enjoy you want to do more of just think of like a netflix um documentary or netflix series like if you enjoy one episode you watch the next you watch the next watch the next if you don't like it then you just don't do it you don't watch it exactly same thing with your food you need to be enjoying what you're doing now by all means um it is always going to be a challenge especially if you're in like a fat loss phase or you're going through a hard training block and you just got a really busy schedule and stuff like that like i fully appreciate it. it's going to be challenging but as long as it's manageable and you're getting some enjoyment out of it that is the most important thing because what you find is that as soon as that you remove that um, external goal that is driving you, i.e. a competition, an event, uh, a bodyweight target you want to hit, you know, working with a coach and that finishes, you know, what's keeping you accountable? And that's when, you know, your habits and behaviors are going to be very important because they're the ones that are going to drive you forward. So whilst you're doing all this sort of nutrition programming and stuff like that, find a way to find some enjoyment with it because the more you enjoy something, the more you do it and the more through those repeated actions and habits, um, you're going to change your behaviors. And that's the main thing. I make sure all my clients on my coaching programs um, leave the end knowing and you know they just got to enjoy what they're doing because again, lastly, if you don't enjoy it, then what's the point? So when it comes to auditing your diet, I just want to go through those six key areas. So again, your performance, your recovery, your fatigue, your hunger, your cravings, your body composition progress, and your overall enjoyability. And I just want you want to, I just like you to rate each section on a scale of one to ten. So obviously you're going to get a total score of sixty. So I would class that if you are sort of under 30 out of 60, that's a red. So that's kind of a bit of like a red flag. It's like, okay, you need to address something here because something's clearly not working and it's something we can definitely do about it to fix it. Um, if you are between, you know, a 30 and 50 out of 60, then, you know, the see amber is like, okay, you're doing pretty good. Um, things aren't terrible, but again, they could be better. Um, but generally speaking, things are all right. There's things you can improve on, but, you know, you're still in a decent position. Where if you're on a green, you know, you're 50 out of 60 and above, um, you know, you're absolutely killing it. You're doing world-class kind of stuff, and you're very much on top of your nutrition and overall sort of lifestyle and performance. Um, so it'd be a big kudos from that perspective. Um, so what I like to do is just um, write that down. And if you want to run anything by me, then, you know, just uh, drop me a DM on Insta or on Facebook. And, you know, I'm happy to sort of discuss this with you to try and get you moving in the uh, right direction. Um, so today's podcast really case of just to get you guys aware of, what you need to be aware of essentially you know it's that saying of like if you don't know you don't know and now hopefully you do know and also just a case of you understanding my thinking process when i approach a athlete or a client and how to get them moving in the right direction 
So these are all the things I sort of look to review and analyze and more like these are just some of them today uh, as examples. Uh, just to make sure, again, you're always going to be in the amber or if not, always in the green. So we're looking for those sort of high scoring um, days all the time. So guys, um, if you took anything away from today, got any value from it, I would love to know. And uh, if you did, please don't forget to comment, uh, share and subscribe. Uh, until next time, guys. Bye-bye.